0: acknowledging that the client has within them all of the natural healing capacity that they need. It's just blocked in certain ways that make a ton of neurological sense. So if we can go in as a facilitator and help them recalibrate those systems, those underlying systems, and really just ignite and expand their internal healer, that's all we need to do. And with psychedelics, it just makes it so much easier.
1: Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms, from inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe. This is Neurons to Nirvana. In 1986, drug activist Rick Doblin founded the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, commonly known as MAPS, as a nonprofit organization specializing in research and education. MAPS has dedicated the last 36 years to change how people think of, talk about, and consume psychedelics through research, education, and advocacy. One of MAPS training certifications offers the Psychedelic Assisted Therapies and Research Certificate Program for skilled therapists and researchers. Andrea Hansen is one of those MAPS certified therapists able to provide psychedelic assisted therapy. Here is a quick clarification. MAPS uses the term psychedelic to refer to both the classic psychedelics, LSD, psilocybin, peyote, ayahuasca, etc., and those drugs precisely termed intactogens, and also known as empathogens, MDMA, MDA, etc. Andrea is a licensed mental health professional, and I loved our conversation. I always want to present alternatives one may consider for a holistic approach to wellness and healing. This is an excellent point to remind the audience that I am not a doctor, healthcare practitioner, or therapist. I share some personal experiences and opinions about psychedelics in today's episode. Andrea and I talk about the MAP certification process, psychedelic-assisted therapy using MDMA, psilocybin, and ketamine, the benefits of recreational, the concerns of therapeutic misuse, and the importance of integration. Andrea has her master's in educational psychology and clinical mental health counseling and is a neurobiological breakthrough specialist psychedelic breakthrough, complex trauma, and addiction expert. Her career and personal commitment have reshaped the psychiatric and mental health fields. It is my pleasure to introduce Andrea Hansen. Andrea, hey, how are you today?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: I'm great. Thank you for asking. I'm really excited to have you on Neuron Sir Nirvana because I think your life's work and some of the things you've been involved in recently um, aligned quite well with my podcast and the audience. If you don't mind, why don't you tell the audience and me uh, a little bit about what you're doing now and uh, so forth.
0: So I am a, I'm a clinical mental health counselor licensed in Utah, and I, I work with complex trauma so it's a little bit of a sidestep from the mainstream mental health field where they have the DSM and the diagnoses. I focus more on neurology, all of the research behind that, with the with the brain scans and how trauma and life experiences impact our our brains. And then the last couple of years, I've been incorporating psychedelic assistance into the work that I do, and I've gone through the Prati trainings and the MAPS certification training to be able to really provide... Some really intensive help for my clients
1: and you said you started that when exactly as far as the sitting and With psychedelics.
0: Yes, yeah, so I started learning about psychedelics um, several years ago and Really getting into the power of them and, and seeing how throughout almost every culture healers throughout the world since the dawn of time have been using psychedelics as part of ceremonies and then I started to dip my toe in with using ketamine, uh, as a psychedelic. Um, let's see, that would have been 2019. So right before COVID <laughs> came and took over everything. So that was my first working with, with a client with a psychedelic was ketamine.
1: Now, have you done any, have you tried any other forms of plant medicine or psychedelics since then?
0: Thanks. Yes, yes. Uh, Utah, it's not legal. Ketamine is FDA approved and since the 60s, right? So that's been around. The other psychedelics have been researched since about the same time, but it all got shut down. And it's only legal in a couple of states. So what I'll do is I'll go and I'll spend a weekend in a state where it's legal if I have, you know, three or four people who are interested in and we'll, I'll do several days in a row. So it's all one-on-one, but it's, I'll just do several days in a row with psilocybin. It's so the only one that I've worked with because I don't trust the purity of MDMA if it's not coming from a pharmacy. So that will be FDA-approved soon, and then I'll I'll do it through a doctor, and LSD just lasts way too long.
1: <laughs> and you don't know where it's coming from. I mean, honestly... I jokingly, and it's been called bathtub gin, because you honestly, you have no idea where it came from and who's making it. Now, if it came from Albert Hall, sure, count me in. The guy who actually came upon it, the real deal, or Owsley and so forth. But yes, LSD is tricky. I've definitely uh, done LSD for sure, but uh, I'm a firm believer in anything from the ground.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, cannabis is a great one, especially at certain doses with certain strains. It can create that psychedelic effect. Uh, so that's a, definitely a really cool possibility. And then, yeah, the psilocybin, I mean, it's a plant. And it you can usually tell which species it is or which type of mushroom it is by looking at family- it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so that one's much more safe.
1: Yes. And it's it's... In and out of your body, typically, unless you take a heroic dose, four to six. If you take a heroic or very large quantity, six to eight, as you probably know. Are you doing heroic doses with your clients?
0: It's typically not a not a huge amount. I base it based on them and where it seems like they're at. Many of my clients have never done any substance, right, other than... I mean, they say that, but often they've done psychiatric medications, so they they have had substances in their bodies, just ones that are pharmaceutically approved. Um, so that so for those people, and especially if they, you know, are qu- not quite ready, it's just a whole assessment process, right? So for those people, I'll do a smaller dose, but it always is a dose that they do experience the psychedelic effects. So it's not microdosing. We start. The the preparation, because I do the three preparation sessions and then we do the psychedelic session and then we do three integrative sessions afterwards. So we do the preparation and the integration virtually. And then I go in for the weekend and they each get their, their day. And it typically is around six hours, sometimes more, that it's just me and them totally in the therapeutic land of psychedelics.
1: I do think that, obviously, in a controlled environment, Set in setting as they say. That's the best way.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is.
1: <laughs> Taking it on your own with a couple of your buddies and just wandering around in the woods with Right. Very little intention and so forth. That's fun too.
0: It can be, or it can be a total disaster. Exactly. There's just no way to know and there's no help. I have talked to and I have some people in my personal life who have trauma like PTSD from trips. From mushroom trips that they went on because they were just so horrific and it's it's really too bad is it it creates and it in- increases that stigma around that they're bad drugs but it's going to just help you tap in to different parts of you that are already expressing something already experiencing something so as long as you have that preparation and you have that right set and setting, and with my clients, we start therapy, whether it's ketamine or psilocybin, we do at least an hour of therapy before the dose even kicks in, and then we're doing therapy the entire time, and then they're coming out of it, and especially with ketamine, with all that glutamate in their brain, it's so plastic, so we really capitalize on that, and do therapy as they're coming out of it as well, so it's so much that it's if you're having a bad trip in that setting like perfect cool let's go with it let's let's make it therapeutic let's find out what's coming to the surface as opposed to just kind of totally spinning out of control
1: <laughs> yes so i right I don't, this was clearly in the grieving process my mom passed away last year and i took some mushrooms and it just sort of put me in a not in a tailspin, but not where I thought it would. And so I wasn't I wasn't angry, but it just wasn't a, a great experience, particularly with the people that I was around for them, because I was bringing up old memories and so forth. So I love that you're doing that. As far as the map certification, how did you get involved, and uh, what's the criteria in order to attain that certification?
0: Yeah, so the MAPS certification is available to already qualified, licensed medical and mental health providers. Um, and then there's a whole application process to it, too. I think it's the I've I've done a lot of trainings and the application process for MAPS was definitely the most thorough application process it probably took me a couple of days to put wow. it together not all day all of those days but it took me several days to put together the application because they want to make sure that you really have the base knowledge and you are you know a trauma-informed clinician that you're not totally stuck in the in the boxes that the mental health field can get you stuck in with using the specific you know, cbt things and being directive with clients cbt being talk therapy yes um and using you know the grouping people in the diagnostic labels. They want to make sure that you are able to be flexible, that you are able to to step into a different world, um, which is very much the world that I have been in for a while of trauma, which is acknowledging that the client has within them all of the natural healing capacity that they need.
1: And the, all yes, they exactly. need, exactly, yes, it's all within. Yeah, it's all, it's within all in them.
0: It's just blocked in certain ways that make a ton of neurological sense. So if we can go in as a facilitator and help them recalibrate those systems, those underlying systems and really just ignite and expand their internal healer. That's all we need to do. And with psychedelics, it just makes it so much easier. So it was, it was that was an application process. I got accepted. And then beyond that, it's a, it's a six month, 100 hour course uh, to, with lots of examples and supervision. And we got to watch the, you know, the whole process of some of the participants that they had worked with and you know, watched them go through their, their sessions and really incredible experience.
1: You'd mentioned MDMA. What are your thoughts on MDMA uh, being used therapeutically for?
0: It seems incredible. Um, of course, again, it's not FDA approved yet. It's very close to it. They're in the, the final stages of the trial of the trial. So they've been doing this, um, research for years now. And then even before it was official, um, government sanctioned research, they had been doing this, you know, ever since the, the psychedelic boom, right before it was all shut down, there were tons of therapists and psychiatrists using all kinds of psychedelics to, <laughs> to get really <laughs> incredible results right, from their clients. Um, but then it all and that's a whole different conversation about everything that went into it getting shut down, but um, it's been researched since then. There have been people who have been consistently saying, like, no, wait, like we we used this, and we saw that it was amazing, and now we're shutting it down, especially for um, you know, PTSD and trauma. So we have our veterans out there who are really struggling, um, as, and a lot of the you know, research has shown that talk therapy is around 2% effective, for trauma, yep. and then medications, pharmaceutical medications are around thirty percent effective in general for anything. And then there's more overdose deaths from psychiatric prescribed medications every year than heroin. I so didn't know this... that.
1: Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, there are. Wow,
0: it's crazy. They just have billions of dollars set aside for lawsuits, so it doesn't it doesn't touch them. It doesn't matter. So
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. And then there's the whole issue with, you know, companies like Cerebral who are going through investigations right now because they're over pumping out sim- stimulants and over diagnosing ADHD. So there's all of that stuff happening um, that is just not super helpful. And we have, you know, these veterans who are they go out and they, they serve the country. They go, you know, risk their lives, sometimes don't make it. And then they come back and the one treatment that's been shown to be so effective at being able to actually help them is blocked by the government. It's illegal. Um, So that's that's so um, so backwards. Right. And I think that that's a huge reason that so many of these researchers have been consistently pushing all these years and are finally about there of getting MDMA FDA approved. And when it is FDA approved, then the pharmacies will be able to start making it a very
1: pure dose, and, right? And, yeah. And yeah. Money, which is all they care about, in my opinion. <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. 100,
0: especially when it comes to the mental health field, like, oh, I could go on for days.
1: Uh, well, that's why I was wanted to speak to you, because how I was drawn to psychedelics is the fact that around the time I was a teenager, 16, my first bout of depression emerged, anxiety, I had an anxiety attack. And uh, I must have tried like five antidepressants, talk therapy was helpful, kept me stable. But I continued to do that. And then I got off. And then when my dad when I found out he was sick with cancer, and he was my best friend, I started doing talk therapy again. And it was working. And I still have a therapist, and have, and I'm going to see him uh, once a week, at least twice a week, because my mom passed away last year. And there's all anyway, that being said is, I got so tired of this trial and error with different types of antidepressants that um, and I was still grieving pretty badly about my dad passing away. And I said, I gotta do something, I gotta go. So I went down to South America and did ayahuasca. Participated now in four ceremonies. And I used to be very stealth and secretive about it, but obviously since I've launched this podcast, I'm very vocal. It is not for everyone, but if it's calling you, for instance, did you know that Will Smith has partaken in 14 ceremonies?
0: Oh, I didn't know 14, but I knew he had.
1: And if you, so my point in bringing this up is he, I know he went to a retreat near where I went in Peru. And if you don't, and of course he's had tabloids on, but if you go and you don't address the real problems, it's not going to, these aren't miracle drugs, mushrooms, none of this, but these are tools that we can use to help us go in the right direction and heal.
0: Each oh, and yeah. every day. They're um, catalysts
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the thing is, is uh, family members, some friends are very incredulous about Thomas, Tom. I don't, I don't think you should be doing that They're because of how we've been programmed by the pharmaceutical company and society. And of course the legal system, a lot of opportunities are laid, you know, not there for people. And so I really do feel we're on the dawn of something special. Lots of cities are decriminalizing, as you know, psilocybin, Denver, San Francisco, Oakland. Like you said, there's a huge epidemic with all of these men and women who've served for us coming back from Afghanistan, Iraq, and so forth, who are seriously struggling and I think finally, the government is realizing okay let's let's see what else is working. So how did you get drawn into uh ketamine speaking of because that's it's been the first full blown approved for p t s d and so forth
0: yeah, yeah, so in the in the therapy field. Ketamine is being used off-label, right? So what that means is kind of like Welbutrin. Welbutrin is a common antidepressant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I've been to it on and off for like the past 10 years, yeah.
0: Oh, nice. I was on it for a bit, but I'm actually allergic. So, <laughs> so Welbutrin is technically was developed for a smoking cessation drug. Right. So the FDA approval of Welbutrin is for smoking cessation, but it's used off-label for depression. So, similarly, ketamine was developed as a dissociative anesthetic, as a safe way to be able to put people under for surgery, or out on the field, they found that, uh, on the uh, military field, they found that if a soldier was wounded and they had to be life flighted to a hospital, if they dosed them with ketamine, they were much more likely to survive because they were able to dissociate from the pain and be somewhere else. Right. Right? Um, and they noticed right at first the emergence syndrome is what they called it, um, where people would be landing back in their body and they'd kind of freak out a little bit. (laughs) And then they would, um, give them Xanax or something to try to help it feel better. But then the, the psychiatrist and the therapist were like, no, this is cool. Let's explore it. So really it's been around, been used by doctors and dentists since the sixties and it's FDA approved, but I, let's see, I got interested in it mostly because it is the FDA-approved psychedelic. I'm not a bigger fan of ketamine than I am of psilocybin by any means, and I do get concerned about the misuse of ketamine.
1: Absolutely. It's it's
0: all over the place. Most of the, because it has been FDA-approved for so long, it's just being used so willy-nilly. So many ketamine clinics are yeah, they have people come in, they dose them in whatever way they dose them, and then when the person's done, they will them out to their Uber and no send them home. No integration,
1: you don't get to talk, there's no therapy.
0: There's nothing, there's no preparation.
1: Yeah, so I've never shared this with any of my audience on the podcast, but I'm willing to now, right after my mother died, I was in um, I. She's the reason why you and I are talking like she gave me life and I loved her dearly and I went and helped take care of her I was her primary caregiver for, from Thanksgiving until the end of January of last year. But that experience was beautiful. And I'm so, I wouldn't trade it for the world to be there for her. And my sisters and I were there when she took her last breath, but it was also the traumatic, right? She took her last breath, which is beautiful. And then there's some things that, that just memories that sort of trigger around that time. And so I was in a serious funk and I came back to Austin and I did a six session. And that experience was positive in some ways, but it is a, such a dissociative drug. That if you're in a bad spot or you're spinning, spin, you know, tail spinning into some sort of idea and you can't get out, they have no idea. Or a lot of these clinics. And so, have you tried it legally?
0: Have I um, been to a ketamine doctor? Yes. Have
1: you actually partaken in a therapy session? Yourself? I
0: have not because I can't. I, there's nowhere else around here, around me that provides it in the way that I do.
1: In Utah, yeah
0: yeah, is that I hear those stories like you just shared, And it's so really honestly infuriating that that stuff that is happening. And sometimes even worse than that, i've I've heard from a woman who, The clinic didn't have any more beds or chairs available so they took her to this back room and she laid on a table and her brother was with her (laughs) right they dosed her they left the room and she started having a seizure and her brother couldn't find anybody to come help her and so luckily she's okay and she survived and at the end they wheeled her out to her chair to, to her car and and that was it and you you hear these things and it's like oh my gosh I really hope that the irresponsibility of ketamine clinics doesn't get this psychedelic boom shut down.
1: That's a concern of mine. It's a major concern of mine because it is legal and it's becoming a booming industry. And the one that I've been to, I'm pretty sure it was a, formerly a dentist's office and it just had this stale feeling and... No. Ugh, and That's they, awful. I well, they put on like beautiful scenery, but
0: oh, that's nice. I mean, I
1: had all this stuff in within me that, and I'm sitting there just all bottled up, disassociated. Oh in, my gosh, experience! And I didn't have anything. So when I got picked up by my girlfriend, I couldn't even express what the hell had happened, right? Yeah, it was mind blowing in, in a lot of ways, but it's not. What is your opinion about it as far as a psychoactive and being placed in the other, with the other plant medicine and MDMA.
0: It is interesting, the placement of it within. I think that it does belong within that sure. spectrum. Because you, you know, you, you're you somewhere that's not in you. You're having these hallucinations a good amount of the time. Um, but it is much more aggressive. It's, you know, with other psychedelics, you, like, step into it, like you're stepping into a lake. And with ketamine, it's like this tidal wave just knocks you exactly
1: over, right? I mean, at least with psilocybin, it's gradual. It's not just like, boom, with ketamine, when I did these infusion therapies, it was just like a wave. Like, and I, one of the times I thought, is this it? Am I dying? <laughs> Am I going to come yeah. back?
0: And that's a common experience that, that a lot of times clients aren't warned warned of, you might think that you're dying. Yep. It happened a lot.
1: Three of the six times i uh, said out loud, am I, am I dying? Is this the end? And Did oh, anyone I'm, respond? I'm here. Huh? No, they just, there needs to be a therapist. So if, the, if these people are going to open up these shops, they have to have a therapist with them.
0: That's why I'm so glad that MAPS, the MDMA will only be FDA approved within the MAPS protocol with MAPS certified doctors and MAPS certified therapists. And that is how ketamine should be as well, because it can be beautiful. It can be an incredible process, and and it's a one-time thing. Tops three-time things. People shouldn't be going in for ketamine session after ketamine session after ketamine session. It's you can just get like the most incredible results with doing the proper preparation with one, as long as there's really the, and I, so I'm the type of therapist that I don't do talk therapy. I do the EMDR, IFS, breath work, body work, all of that kind of stuff. So if you wrap it really nicely in the right kind of therapy, most clients do like one, maybe for a year, right? Like seasonally. Um, And or they'll come back when they're reaching this next point in their life that they they find that they're really stuck and everything was working well for a while and they want to push through. So sometimes it's a year or two years later that they're like, hey, I'm ready for the next one. But it's not like, hey, let's just hook you up to this machine. You're going to completely dissociate out of your mind. Okay, perfect. Now give me like five hundred dollars.
1: No, no. Five hundred. Try to like twenty four hundred. Oh my gosh. Well, no, so I guess math-wise, that roughly breaks up the same. But where, do you have any idea where these clanks came up where you have to do six at a time? Like, because that's, that's a bit much. <laughs>
0: like It is. It is a bit much. Have you read the Ketamine Papers?
1: I have not.
0: That is, yeah, really good book. It's a compilation of a lot of the old research done with ketamine and There's some protocols within the research where they did six, and there's some protocols within um, more modern research where they're, they're testing it out without therapeutic intervention, where they show six for, like, the suicidality and stuff. But the results of those research, it's not great. It doesn't show that it is more effective than the placebo. So the ketamine, just by itself, is like mostly any other psychiatric medication, which is that it, it's not more effective than the placebo.
1: And not to mention, if you had no experience in that realm of psychoactive drugs, psychedelics, it is sensory overload. The one that I went to, they made me pay 2400 no refund. So after about three or four sessions, I said, time out. I need a break. Like, this is... This That much here. And I did did do them all and there was value, but I really think there would have been much more positive results and it would have been way more profound if I had some formal integration and a therapist with with me.
0: Oh, definitely. I
1: was picked up and my girlfriend, she was listening to me talk about positive things. I was clearly like, yeah, yeah, but gibberish because they only let you sit there and sort of get your faculties back and then, okay, your, your girl is here, perfect, next.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, that's just so heartbreaking because it really can be just so much more, especially as you're coming out of it. You know, if they just send you home, then, so, so glutamate is most often associated with the craving in addiction, right? It's this, it's a very strong, very deep chemical It helps the brain form an idea of the foundations of life, what is important, what isn't. It helps neurons fire more, and um, so it makes the brain much more plastic. So as you're coming out of that ketamine, if that time isn't capitalized on in a really meaningful way, then sure, you have happy chemicals, and ketamine functions in a way where it gets trapped in your brain channels before they close, So it stays prolonged in your brain for a little bit longer. So you're going to have a sense of well-being for an extended period of time, a couple of weeks. Right. But if you just go home and you just go back to your regular routine or especially if you go back to like not a super great environment, like that's what's being solidified in your brain in those really, really crucial moments right after the ketamine treatment. and So
1: it's counterproductive in so many ways. Yeah, because what I will say, and that's why I was willing to try it, particularly since it's FDA approved and legal is that I read about the glutamine and that fascinated me and uh, what was the main reason catalyst as to why I wanted to do it, but For my own personal experiences, it really did extract a lot of my negative thoughts and feelings that I'd had been carrying that I'd forgotten about. And that was a positive part. But the negative part was I was super excited, but I I already said I was talking gibberish. (laughs) Like I couldn't have somebody sit there with me, record what I was trying to say, the feelings I was expressing, because by the time I got home, I lost at least a third of all those great lessons that I had.
0: Yeah, oh, that's such such (laughs) a bummer. So disappointing is like this great aha moment. And that's where integration is so vital too, is we, we can have an aha moment during so many moments of life, but if we don't intentionally integrate it, that's all it is. It's like, oh, I had this really cool aha moment one time and then my life stayed totally the same.
1: That's right. Or it's like seeing a shooting star, lightning in a bottle, like you have to keep that. I had a friend who just went and participated in an ayahuasca ceremony and I'm the only person he's known to do it. And he's the, so when I checked in with him, I said, listen, I don't want to hear anything about your experience. That's yours. I want you to absorb it and continue the integration with your retreat, the people there. And you don't have to write a novel, but just try to write down, even it's just catchphrases. You know? It doesn't have to be paragraphs, just so that you can remember these things, right? Because it's so important. Otherwise, sometimes that's why it's not. And these people will have these profound experiences, including myself, and then they go right back into the mix of their old lives.
0: Yeah. and And then what was, I mean, it's still a cool experience. It's still like, oh, yeah, like that was really unique and really fun. But it can be so much more. It has the potential to be just incredible.
1: And I was fortunate when I did, when I was in Peru and did my third ceremony, I wanted to see my father, but uh, the message was, uh, he can't, showed up, he was a lawyer, so we wore a suit work all the time. He showed up for a nanosecond and it was almost like mother I said, nope, we're going this direction. But it gave me the strength to go. it, the message was uh, go be with your mother. I didn't know why or what that was all about. Yeah. And I I went down to South America without telling her or only a couple of my friends. But when I talked to her, she I was so afraid she was going to be pissed, but when I told her about the experience, she was so thrilled and supportive. Well, that's awesome. And the sad thing is it was it was I'm like Thirteen months later, that she passed away. But the message was, look after your mom, re-strengthen your. Because I'd moved from Savannah to Austin, so it's not like we were close by.
0: That's an incredible experience.
1: It truly was. I
0: love that 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 deeper wisdom that you're able to tap into is one of the cool functions of psychedelics. Is messing up the executive functioning, that part of your brain that thinks. Like, I have to be in control of everything. I have to think of everything within this specific schema. This is who I am. This is what the world is. And it really maintains that control. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The psychedelics help to remove that. And then we have to trust in something deeper. And something deeper in us seems consistently to be connected to something deeper in the earth, in the energies surrounding us, in a deeper knowledge of, you know, a deeper, more ancient, universal something. Right. It seems to be a pretty consistent experience, being able to tap into that deeper, more ancient wisdom of for whatever reason, I need to spend more time with my mom. I need to go connect to my mom and just trusting that is that's incredible.
1: So you left or have you left the traditional therapy profession entirely or?
0: Kind of. I'm still licensed. Um, I don't diagnose. I won't diagnose for multiple different ethical reasons. Um, So by proxy, I don't work with insurance. And then outside of...
1: It's the dirty secret for all therapists. I've had one who you don't like the... They don't pay you all enough. And it's a hassle to deal with all that, particularly if you're a sole practitioner.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, insurance is awful. But I mean, and, and really at the end of the day... I don't agree with diagnosing Um, and I could we could do a whole other (laughs) a whole other talk on on why that is, but I don't agree with diagnosing insurance companies require a diagnosis. Um, So So for the reasons that, yeah, for, for that reason and just because insurance is hell to work with and I want to be able to provide quality care, not quantity care um i don't work with insurance at all so in that way i'm outside of mainstream mental health i do maintain my license and all of the trainings that i am able to access um are through my license so i wouldn't be able to be map certified if i didn't maintain my license and i wouldn't be able to i've gone through trainings done by dr brussel Banderkolk to become more trauma specialized and i couldn't do those if i wasn't licensed so i do maintain it for those reasons but I do also offer coaching. So I have a separate business that is a coaching practice and that allows me to be able to work with people in different States other than Utah. Cause the, the therapy license is only within the state that you're licensed in.
1: Okay. Is there something, was it the insurance, anything else that was a catalyst that sort of made you want to leave the traditional form?
0: It was the culture as well at the, and in pretty much every clinic, that i worked at as a therapist the goal uh, what made you a good therapist was client retention as opposed to client progress and that did not sit well with me at all Uh, the the therapy environments are very surprisingly toxic um which you wouldn't think you wouldn't think they would be but they really are um, you know, supervisors using their therapy skills to try to control and manipulate uh, the therapists that are below them or the clinical directors, just um, and a lot of therapists just are not able to take care of themselves between working, you know, seeing 12 clients a day, bringing home 40,000 a year, like,
1: and it takes a toll on their body and mind, so they just they're getting down. What I'm, re- what I'm very inspired by, because even here in Texas, in Travis County, there's a network surrounding areas of therapists who are meeting about psychedelics and, and focusing on the integration part, right? Because it's not legal here, but you have all these people who are like, oh, I want to go to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca. And they have no idea where they're getting into. And then they come back. And it's not quite working out the way that they thought it would because they don't have the proper support system.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think that's that's huge to be able to, as therapists, at least offer integration. I've worked with um, people even in, in Canada and in London, um, just kind of around the world, people who have gone through psychedelic experiences and they just really need someone to, to help them integrate it. That's definitely an in-between that therapists can do if they don't feel comfortable diving totally into the psychedelic work or if it's not legal where they are.
1: But that's what I'm concerned about is how do we get over the stigma, right? Because ketamine is tricky and I've already shared my personal experience, which I've been debating for a long time, but I thought you'd be a great person to share with. I'm just so concerned with what pharmaceutical companies are going to do. When it does become legal, because let's let's be honest, they're going to extract the compound. They're already doing it in labs, psilocybin, psilocene, and people are gonna. It's not the same. I mean, it's it's close. No, but...
0: it's like you know a supplement instead of a you know the whole fruit, right? Like there's other components that we don't understand, and there's a there's a difference in mentality there, right? Where sometimes with the pharmaceutical companies and with the white coats, there's some sense of ego of, of um, you know, we know everything that we need to know and so we're going to just figure it all out. Whereas with psilocybin, part of the point is a deeper trust, a deeper groundedness and saying, okay, there's stuff that we don't know, that we don't understand and we're going to allow this, uh, you know, this mushroom that grows organically all by itself we're going to allow it to show us um, we're not in control here. That it is, you know, who knows what will happen. so far with marijuana, it seems like they haven't have completely taken away the plant from the experience in some ways.
1: True. In a lot of ways, they have, you know? In a lot of ways, they truly have.
0: So maybe... Maybe it'll be something similar to dispensaries that would be really cool. I doubt it. Um, psilocybin,
1: I don't think so.
0: Yeah, probably not.
1: But uh, I would be perfectly happy and excited that in Oregon you can have that opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, it's you know, who knows what the future holds, but I, I think that's where also just leading into you know, a deeper sense of. It's okay, you know. It we're gonna figure it out. <laughs> Whatever happens, we'll
1: figure it out. And, and that's the that's the ironic, like that's the irony. In all this is my family and some friends. They're very skeptical and incredulous about me doing this. But I've tried seven or eight antidepressants, and I'm at the like I was literally, I was literally nothing is working. I'm willing, to, and that's what they need to look at is okay, he really wants to improve his life and he's working on himself. Not that, oh my God, what is it, what is that? That's, well, guess what? They've been doing it for over a millennia in the Amazon Basin and call me crazy, but for a reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, for absolutely for a reason. And the, I, I've just seen it time and time again in myself and in my clients with, you know, that merry-go-round that you're talking about or, or whack-a-mole, whatever you want to call yes. it, with the okay. <laughs> with the psychiatric medications where you go in. Um, as I, I started seeing therapists or psychiatrists pretty young. My parents had a nasty divorce and uh, there were lots of court-appointed psychologists and all of that good stuff. Um, so we just, there's a diagnosis, and then there's the medication, and then, like, oh, yeah, like, it feels like this is beneficial, but then, after a while, it starts to drop off, or there's these side effects, so then they're, like, oh, here's this other medication for that other medication, or here's your increase in dose, and then, after a while, it's, like, oh, well, it's not working at all, and then they're, like, oh, well, it's because you were misdiagnosed, you're actually, diag- you know, it's actually this, and then, you know, 15 years later, you have had, you know how many odd 20 diagnoses and tried all these different blends of medications and at the end of the day they all wear off they all have side effects unless they're placebos and there are placebos on the market that pharmacies pass out and psychiatrists prescribe because they're about as effective as the other medications but people love them because there's no side effects so that's
1: well, lovely of course <laughs> um. <laughs> it's placebo yeah
0: Right, so they have a paying customer for you know that person's entire lifespan, and they're just buying sugar pills. That's pretty crappy, but um, but it's I see it time and time and again with my clients too, where um, you know I don't diagnose. I used to diagnose because you had to um, at clinics. So you diagnose, they they go, they get on their medications, they feel the sense of relief. They're like, oh my gosh, everything makes sense now. This is so great, and then over the next couple of months everything declines again, and it's it's just constant. But then, you know, now the way that I work with my clients, typically I have a client for three months, and we really get in, we dig in, we do the work. Sometimes they, they do the psychedelic assistance, more often than not. Sometimes they don't want to do the psychedelic assistance, and that's fine too. But we we just go in, and we recalibrate, and then they go live their lives, and it's not like You know, they need to develop a dependence on me. It's not like they're chronically ill for the rest of their life. And, you know, and I think that there is a role for a therapist kind of consistently in life to be a non-biased person to check yourself against. But when it comes to that, like really trying to get past something that is deeper down. (laughs)
1: Right. We're caring. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's where this like really deep work can come in, and just really quickly. That doesn't have to be a super lifelong journey, and it doesn't have to be a mix of ten different psychiatric medications.
1: Exactly, uh, because my own experience going trying seven, at least seven, if not eight, it's a vicious cycle because you do gain a tolerance for these things, and they wear off the eff- efficacy, and it's just it's very frustrating. Maps. Since you did get your your certification, I've tried to enroll in two or three of their studies. How does one? What's the criteria of actually successfully getting enrolled in one and being a participant?
0: That's a really good question. I don't have great answers for you. I I've heard similar from a lot of people. Um, I think that they are leaning towards veterans as far as their research criteria goes. So that's one part, but then also I think there's a huge demand and just not enough researchers.
1: Exactly. And there's so many people out there in need, particularly after we've gone through COVID. Oh yeah. I I say it all the time. There is a mental health crisis. It's kind of, it became an epidemic in itself, to be honest. But it was already an issue, right? But when once COVID- Yeah,
0: COVID just brought it to the surface. We all had to sit with ourselves.
1: Exactly. As far as your clients, do you do or you meet with both men and women, or is, okay,
0: yeah, the entire gender spectrum. So okay, I've perfect. one of the other, um, the you know, trainings that I've done is with WPATH, which is the, um, kind of the the world standard for transgender healthcare. So of all genders, <laughs> very supportive, affirming. Um, with, with whatever, you know, sexuality, gender, I do work with typically people who are for the most part older than 30. And that's not on purpose. That's just younger, um, clients seem to not quite be ready. Um, and sometimes they are
1: themselves properly. And, um, it's a, it's a weird age. I, I, I've been through yeah. the conventional way of therapy. So I know what you're saying.
0: Yeah. And I've worked with teens. I love teens. I've worked inpatient with teens. I've worked with plenty of young adults, but unless they're really have gone through something intense, Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, it seems like there's this idea that they're, they're still going to figure it out. um, And they're still very much stuck in that which blocks the therapeutic process because they're not quite done tripping over their own shit yet yeah so you know when somebody is more like 30 (laughs) then they're like okay there's something going on here i'm going to lean into this process uh, you know in a really meaningful way um but that's that's not a rule that's just what seems to be the case i have had clients as young as 18 go through the ketamine treatments and it was it was really beneficial
1: and what about on the other side of the cycle of life? Uh, what age group, the oldest you've had? It
0: really depends on health is the, mm-hmm. the the main factor, right? We don't want to be in a situation where.
1: True. Especially
0: with ketamine because it is so harsh on the body. Um, that is more health dependent. Psilocybin, there's a little more wiggle room.
1: Yeah, and I was, had psilocybin in mind because it's. Michael Pollan's four-part series on Netflix. He focuses on psilocybin, and there are trials going on around uh, various states where people who have who terminally ill with cancer they're having experiences with psilocybin, and it's helped an immense amount with their quality of life and how they are their outlook on. Death and so forth
0: yeah it is it is really amazing for terminal clients for sure really incredible um but yeah and there's a level of open-mindedness that often isn't available in the uh, probably above 65 crowd so i'd say that my clients tend to be between 30 and 60 however there are always exceptions to that rule
1: uh, I, of course, will include this in the show notes, but what else would you like to share to the audience about how they can reach out to you and maybe uh, be part of one of your experiences and so forth? floor is yours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. So if you go to my website, it's just my name, .net. So Andrea Hansen with an O-N, .net, um, there is... A way to contact me through there. Right now, it's set as a waitlist because I am booked out uh, a couple of months. Uh, but when you get on that waitlist, I'll contact you pretty soon. It's not like you won't hear from me until okay. I'm ready for you, and we can get started on a little bit of preparation. Um, so that's the best way to get a hold of me for that. And if you know, just ask. Ask what you want to ask. Don't be shy. So if you if you have a couple of friends who all want to do this and <laughs> does yeah. nothing come to mind tom <laughs> well,
1: no of course uh, because i'm a i talk about it all the time like i would say a third of my episodes are about plant medicine psychedelics yeah i have a lot of friends that ask me who should i talk to where, where is a safe retreat and yeah of course oh
0: yeah oh for sure yeah, yeah I mean, there is so much interest in, like yeah don't be shy at all um and we can talk about you know how we could make it happen for you whether You know, I come out to you, or if you want to do ketamine in a very specific way, you're coming out to me. um, There's lots of different options, so just reach out. Uh, And then as far as integration as well, so I I typically will just do the full protocol. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But if you are just interested in integration, just... Ask for that as well.
1: (laughs) Well good. Um, A lot of preparation. Yeah, integration is the key. It's very
0: Exactly. And that preparation. So if you're if you're gonna do, you know, psilocybin or even ketamine or whatever, just like in your basement, like, okay, like I'm not gonna judge you. (laughs) I'm not gonna like recommend it, but I'm not gonna judge you and Uh, I'll help you prepare.
1: During uh the the, when code was rampant and uh, it didn't work so great as I hoped, but anyway, that's a whole nother story. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, like, you know, for whatever reason, if you're just, if that's how you really want to do it, or it's, if it's a financial thing, like, all right, okay, so then I can help you with preparation, I can help you develop the set and setting, I can help you with integration, right? right? Um, so there's, there's different options. And then a th- another thing that I um, offer to to clients who are really not quite interested in therapy, or maybe you have a therapist, but you just want a couple of extra skills, is a, it's a self-help guide. Um, not, not really psychedelic related, more like just trauma healing related and brain optimization related, where you take an assessment that I've developed, I, I compiled just hundreds of neuroscience, peer-reviewed articles, and you take this assessment, it's like 15, 30 minutes long, and then on the other end of it, it sends you uh, a report that says, hey, these are the areas of your brain that are likely causing you some trouble, and these are some very specific, simple, at-home things that you can do to help with those. Uh, And they're so simple. Like, you wouldn't even think of them. um, And you definitely wouldn't find them if you Googled, like, what should I do about my depression? Like, it's so much more specific (laughs) than
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) that
0: I know, right? That's a valid (laughs) thing to do. So... (laughs) So it's just so, so very specific to your specific brain, just some things that you can incorporate into your lifestyle. So I call it lifestyle prescriptions. Um, cause it's, it's just very specific self-help. So that's a cool thing to check out as well.
1: That's fantastic. I I'm going to check it out. Uh, Tweet. Like, <laughs> seriously, i love that. Uh, well, listen, Andrea, I, I'm so glad you agreed to come on. This has been a, awesome. A lot of fun. And, uh, I know my audience will, will enjoy hearing what you had to say. So,
0: yeah, it's been really great chatting with you. Thanks for doing this podcast and opening. You asked earlier, you know, what can happen to reduce stigma and you're doing it. Taking, one,
1: it. taking one for the team.
0: Yes, <laughs> the you clean are.
1: cut guy that you wouldn't expect.
0: <laughs> exactly. Part. Exactly. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, yeah. Same. Many thanks. Andrea only touches upon her diverse and highly trained background in our conversation today. Please visit andreahansen.net, Hansen spelled with an O, for more of her bio and links to her excellent research papers and articles on complex trauma and psychedelic-assisted therapy. A key takeaway is how our conversation continued to revisit the importance of integration when undergoing psychedelic-assisted therapy. I want to emphasize yet again that these are our very own personal experiences. Psychedelic integration is key to bringing parts of the experience together to make a whole, and it is an aspect often overlooked by recreational experiences and untrained therapists. If you have an interest in learning more about the importance of integration, or hearing my personal experiences with ayahuasca or the San Pedro cactus, I'd love to refer you to some of my first episodes journey with Mother Aya, starting points of San Pedro Cactus, and becoming an integrated man with Keith Gilmore. While perusing, please take a moment to like and subscribe to the podcast. As we begin 2023, I look forward to sharing the new journeys and creative approaches to health and healing with you. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I'm Tom Hartridge, and until next time, this is Neurons to Nirvana.